The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Monday, February 28th. It's time for a mock draft Monday. Joining us to break down, oh my goodness, the draft. So far away and yet so right here. Uh, the Combine. It's basically here. YouTube.com. YouTube.com slash Pick 6. Joining us to break it down, Chris Trapasso. Traps, what's up, buddy? How are you, Will? Thanks uh, for having me on. It's been a while, and I got to say, your Traps nickname is really taking off. I'm starting to get Traps uh, for, like, local radio spots. So I think <laughs> oh, the, look at that. Yeah, like, you're, you're, how is you're it not traps just How is it not just organically Traps? How is it me? I know. I, that's a great question. When you started calling me that, I'm like, yeah, why have my friends not ever called me that? But it shows your influence you- over the internet that <laughs> yeah. you start calling someone a name, and it just <laughs> sticks like glue. Oh. So the weird thing about being so like, are you called Chris a lot in your day to day life? Yes, my friends used to call me C Trap. Being in that era, like early two yeah. thousands, from like the J Lo Rod era, yeah, yeah. yeah, not really original, but Traps is like is I like it. It's cool. So if you were born between like nineteen seventy five and nineteen ninety, and your name was Will, they're like they're literally. In every single, I mean, at least this was the case for me. Um, so I guess I shouldn't say everywhere, but um, every will I know who's my age goes by their last name because there's so many of us. It's unbelievable. It was like the most popular name between 1975 and 1990, like for kids or maybe 85, whatever it was. Like I had like like in my senior graduating class, there were like 17 wills, and we all because <laughs> nobody can just be Will, so everybody went by their last name. It was always like Bowen, Brinson, Hogan, Edwards, you know, like like. And so it, we're all and like I mean, I'm saved in my wife's phone and my mother in law's phone as Brinson. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm Will does not exist in most of my life. If I get called Will, I'm kind of like nervously freaking, like turning to the like to the side because I think I'm in trouble. Yeah, that's definitely a thing for me. It would be either Al or Alex and Brad. I know a ton of Brads, a ton of Alexes. One of my wife's best friends, her husband's name is Al, and they like she literally yeah. calls him by their last name, Barton. Like that's a thing. That is a by the way, that is an entirely different name when you're in Buffalo, New York, than in like New, like like North Carolina. Eel. Yeah, true. yeah, it's like eel. eel. It's you. It's, it's like you. You sound like an eel. Long a. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, down here it's like Al. We don't have a lot of Al's down here. <laughs> Anyway, um, this this podcast about names brought to you by. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. We don't have any. We don't have a sponsor right now. That's fine. Uh, if you're if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcast, I don't know what this is a Monday man. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five star review on Apple. If you want a question answered in a future mailbag, leave uh, that question in your five star rating on Apple. Spotify just added their five star rating. All ratings appreciated. And like and comment if you're listening or watching on YouTube. We will have more combine pods coming later this week uh we are not going whatever yeah maybe maybe i don't know you know i'd like to go i asked to go 
Yeah, what are you going to do? Sometimes you don't get what you want. You move on. And you don't tweet during the combines, which do. Uh, anyway, the, <laughs> let's get to your mock draft traps. Uh, you have, going first overall, Evan Neal, which is a very common thing across the industry. I don't think it's entirely surprising. I asked um, uh, Josh Edwards this, so I'll ask you the same thing. So from a betting perspective, this is, this is you know, Monday. The, we're on the eve of the combine. Evan Neal has dropped down to, I believe, as low as plus one, basically even money, plus 104 to be the number one overall pick. Uh, I think we have Aiden Hutchinson is plus 150, and then uh, Icky is like four and a half to one now. What, what, if you had to guess, what do you think Evan Neal's number will be coming out of the combine? As in, if he's already even money, how well will he test? Like, will he test well enough where he's like minus 225 coming out of the combine? I wish I could give you a straight answer on this, but literally like 10 minutes before we started recording, Evan Neal came out and said he's not going to work out at the combine. Okay. But, but, but there is, there is an impact. I think that opens up the door for Iki Ikwanwu or even Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, it really opens the door in this class that we were already kind of like, eh, we don't really know who the number one overall player is. There's not a guarantee. I mean, the Jaguars need left tackle, but they have a ton of other needs. So if anything, I think it's going to hurt his chances. And we'll see someone like Icky not be four to one anymore or Aiden Hutchinson, whoever has the best workout among the quote unquote top tier prospects, the guys that we've seen the most inside the top five. Whoever has the best workout, they will move up and maybe even become the favorite to be the number one overall pick. Interesting. So yeah, that's yeah. that's that's true. Yeah. I'm glad that um you're paying attention to it. <laughs> it just happened. It okay. just happened. Okay. All right. So because I saw Stingley, Derek Stingley Jr. is not going to work out. I saw that. Um I did is Hutch, Hutchinson said he is going to work out. Yeah, there's been nothing that he's not going to. So let's hope he works out. Okay. Uh, so the only the only two big prospects we have, and I know that uh, Stingley sort of Stingley was like kind of considered maybe the number one overall pick uh, this time last year, or after his after his freshman year. You know, it was like this guy's a future number one pick. Sort of fallen, you know, dropped a little bit. But um, Stingley and Neil, as of this recording, around lunchtime on uh, Monday, those are the only two that we are aware of, right? Yes. Okay. So Neil won't work out if you, man, Icky Kwanu, my NC State guy, eight to one. He's probably the guy to bet right now. If you're really just itching to bet after the Super Bowl, you haven't had any football bets, that would be in terms of pure value because Kwanu is not as long, as big, as intimidating at left tackle as Evan Neal, but he should really work out very well. And a big workout. With the absence of Evan Neal, like, there, hey, there's no Evan Neal. If he's already considered a top prospect and then tests like close to Tristan Wirfs or something like that, I think you will see that number go way down and he'll be much less of a, what? what is it, 800 or plus 800. Yeah. yeah, there's no way he'll be like that after the combine. I am trying to find my – I have a <laughs> – it's a long, long story, but I have a, I have a bet on – Icky to go number one overall, but not at um but plus eight hundred. No, <laughs> it's not with uh who did I make the bet with? Somebody else bet it for me because I couldn't bet it on my local and it was like twenty-five to one um on a uh, on a in like a on a legal book. Anyway, I don't that I, I'm not gonna reveal that part. That's that's probably not a legal thing I should be saying on this podcast. Um Charles Cross at you have him going number 
fifth overall. I actually bet him to go first overall at um let's see what did I get him at? Crossed I got at I think like 35 to one, maybe. I got, yeah, I got yeah. about 36 to one. He's 30 to one on Caesars right now. Is there a chance that he catches Icky and Evan Neal and ends up going first overall? I mean, it's 30 to one, so it's a long shot. But, man, I mean, if this guy has a great – like, right now, we I, – I don't think we know – a lot about this draft. I don't think anybody can. I mean, we, we can know who the top prospects are, but as I think Daniel Jeremiah pointed out on his big NFL media call from one to 30 is maybe is like the first, like the first top prospect, the 30th prospect, and maybe even like extending down to 50th is about as close as it's been really in like in 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely if you're looking at, at uh, betting odds, I, I do think Charles cross, if he's the one, that tests like a better athlete, maybe is a little bit longer and bigger than Iki Aquanu, then yeah, there will be some speculation that will have some legs behind it that he could go number one overall. I think in, in terms of pure film uh, and pass protection ability, Charles Cross was better than Iki Aquanu and better than Evan Neal in 2021. Wow. Evan Neal has multiple years uh, in the SEC at Alabama. They're both better run blockers than Charles Cross. And I think that's why leading into the combine, there's a little bit more hype for both of them to be the first or the second offensive tackle off the board. For me, your ability as a pass protector obviously matters more than anything else. And I think with Evan Neal and with Icky, there's probably a little bit more upside. But Charles Cross is like 20 or 21 years old. Um, if you can get him 35 to 1, uh, I'm not going to say I'm a sports uh, betting expert that seems like pretty good odds for like you mentioned we don't really know who the best prospect is and definitely i would say one of the three edge rushers are not the breath or the offensive tackles are not one of the three best uh prospects in this draft class but that's what the jaguars need yeah and and also let's not I mean let's not forget that free agency is going to play a factor here as we yep. pointed out with you know in the podcast with josh last week you know if if the Jaguars go out and sign Teron Armstead, they're not as likely to draft Evan Neal, Charles Cross, or, or Icky. If they go out and sign, uh, you know, a pass rusher to put across Josh Allen, they're very unlikely to draft Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau or you know uh, somebody somebody else at that first pick. I do think even if they even if they sign Armstead, they could still go and draft a, a an offensive lineman first overall. Like there's, it's almost sometimes these NFL teams. And when you have a first overall pick, you haven't you get an owner involved. You know, like this is this is a football decision, yes, but the owner has to sign off on the first overall pick. Most owners are going to sign off on all first round picks. You know, they're they'll smart teams will let their football guys do football things, but if it's a first overall pick, you better believe that that Shad Khan and and ownership is going to have a say in who gets drafted first overall. So with that in mind, let's remember that the Jaguars are getting killed this offseason already for not protecting Trevor Lawrence and not doing enough to help Trevor Lawrence, which means that the most likely situation is that they draft an offensive lineman first overall because then everyone will say, oh, look at the great job they're doing protecting Trevor Lawrence. That seems extremely likely to me. And, yes, God, six, seven, three, fifty. And this guy's a man-child. He can play yeah. left or right. So. I mean, can, can he play? Actually, can he play right tackle? I shouldn't say that if I don't know. Yeah, he played a right tackle at um, Alabama. I like so I said, can play both. Um, and and just quickly on your point, that's a great one on the owner signing off, especially on the number one overall pick. 
That's why I've leaned Evan Neal because someone like Shad Khan, he knows football, I guess, to a certain degree. If he sees Alabama 6'7, 360, and then at the Alabama Pro Day, Evan Neal tests pretty well for that size, that will be a lot easier for him to sign off on that. Do you no know disrespect, you know no disrespect to Icky, but I, I think seeing seeing Alabama SEC national yes. title will be a little easier for an owner to sign off. No, I, 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 I think you're 100% right. Do you know who doesn't like to look stupid? Rich people. And do you know what? <laughs> like, do you know what? It's easy to look stupid doing is drafting NFL players. The Jaguars yeah. have had a long history of terrible draft choices. Bad. This is, this feels like, like you can hear it in the meet. You can hear them, like picture them saying this. In the meetings, like, okay, we, you know, we need to do what's best for Trevor when we think about this pick. We need to, like, what's like? We don't want to be, you know, we want to be conservative here, but. Is Neil just like, he's a layup. You know, this is the first overall pick. Alabama draft coming from Nick Saban's system. You feel so safe about drafting this guy. The huge mammoth man going to work, you know, when he tested Alabama March 30th, I believe at the pro day, you know, he's going to test well. Like it's just, it's just, it's just easy and it's, it's clean and it's, and it, it, it it makes a lot of sense. So I think it is interesting that he's not going to work out at the combine, which means if you want to get value on guys, like we still think this is going to happen, but it could change. So Icky and Cross at eight to one and at thirty to one seem like decent bets for me. Um, if you have already bet these other ones, which I I have, I have Cross, I have Icky. I bet Neil last week at plus one fifty because I don't. I I was thinking if he works out of the combine, he's going to be minus one fifty by the time it comes out of it. Yeah. It, it, it would take bad workouts from a bunch of people to get there now if he's not working out, but it, it does feel like there's also a chance you get to the combine and there's a bunch of buzz amongst, you know, te- teams are talking, people are talking to Jaguars, you know, the, the front office, the coaching staff, Doug Peterson's there. And like, they make it clear that it's going to be Neil who, who ends up going number one overall. So if that's the case and that buzz starts happening, then maybe it gets to minus money. But that, that that's sort of my thought process on, gambling on the draft early on without these props you have kyle hamilton going second overall betraying the obvious michigan (laughs) detroit lineage of aiden hutchinson instead opting for the notre dame safety um is he where does he rank does he the best prospect for you or is that just a fit need uh dan campbell loves defense He's my best like overall prospect in this draft class. And the thought process here, I will admit, I do a mock draft every single week at CBS Sports. And Will, you got to start to pick up the slack a little bit and contribute to mock drafts. Every three weeks. Yeah. Um, so I, I've done Aiden Hutchinson there a bunch. That's like in, I don't know how much you want to talk about betting, but if you want to do that, that, that's probably the safest selection, Aiden Hutchinson. My thought process that I, I, I could see their general manager, Brad Holmes, having is we love Aiden Hutchinson but this is a really, really good edge rusher class. And the difference between Aiden Hutchinson and the number 32 pick that they own from the Los Angeles Rams is not as big as Kyle Hamilton to the number two or number three or number four safety that Uh. we could get at 32. Kyle Hamilton is like Derwin James-esque. Like he's better than Isaiah Simmons was. Derwin James, I have no idea how he fell to number 17 overall in that draft class, maybe the knee injury. Kyle Hamilton has an injury right now, not as serious as Derwin James, but 6'4", 220, speed, range, uh, coverage ability in the slot, blitzing capabilities. Like He's the real deal as this modern-day safety. So if you want to just try to build your defense and do it kind of the 
more efficient way to navigate the first round with the two first round picks at one and 32 or two and 32 as the lions. That's what I wanted to see how it would fall for the lions in this mock draft. That's a, that's a really good point that I don't think um, I, I know I haven't considered. I don't think a lot of people are considering uh, as, as much is that the lions with their two first round picks, you know, you have to weigh, and, and I, I do think with Detroit and the way their roster is and sort of their mindset too of that. And we, you know, the mindset is apparent because they traded Matthew Stafford. They, they basically admitted, we don't have a great roster. We are not in, you know, good shape. We need to rebuild. We need to like actually admit that it's time for the Detroit Lions as, as Adam Shine likes to say, rebuilding since 1935 Detroit Lions. <laughs> like it's time for, it's time for them to actually rebuild. Um, you know, I do think they'll take the the two best players available to them, but if I'm, you know, if I'm sort of in a toss up situation with uh, Kyle Hamilton versus Aiden Hutchinson, I'm like, man, both players are really good. Then I'm going to take the safety and then grab a pass rusher down the line, unless yes. again, unless ownership steps in or the um, oh god, what's his name, the uh, Bob Wood or whatever his name is, the the guy who. The the the, pre, the VP there, um, and le, unless they step in, they're like, no, we really want the Michigan guy. Dan Campbell plays along. I mean, I, I guess I could see that. That's a, that's a good point though. The the pass rushers are are very deep here. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, will the Panthers draft a quarterback, or will they get Sam Darnold some help? I'll tell you next. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H track all wheel drive, standard third row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H track all wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And when I say draft, I mean mock draft, of course. In your mock draft traps, you have the Panthers taking Drake London. And I believe at number six overall, I do believe, unless I'm unless I missed it, and it's possible I missed it because I'm terrible at reading, that that would make him the first wide receiver off the board, which... I, I wish we could get these props released because I, I think he would have come out like five to one a couple weeks ago. And now I think he'll be like plus 150 to be the first wide receiver off the board because there seems to be a lot of buzz about uh, Drake London at the USC wide receiver, maybe being the first wide receiver taken. All right. So I'm going to talk about this, but I want your opinion being a Panthers guy, like being in the area, like what you think they'll do. My thought is Matt Rule is entering year three, and we heard the Kirk Cousins rumor, like they were maybe peeking around about a trade. 
Would they like to pick Malik Willis here? Sure. Would they like to pick Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral? Yeah, but I believe the Panthers will ultimately go the veteran route, whether it's for a trade, signing someone. That Matt Rule is just like, hey, I need good quarterback play now. I can't really sell ownership in year three on, hey, Malik Willis might be good in like two years because I don't think Matt Rule would have a job if the Panthers don't morph into contenders here pretty soon. So with that in mind, he needs better receiver help. And Drake London, to me, the combine will certainly tell us a lot about truly how athletic he is. But at 6'4 and 210, he kind of has like an A.J. Green type body. And mm. most of the six foot four guys in the NFL that are good, and there's not really as many as there was about a decade ago when it was Brandon Marshall and Jordy Nelson and Calvin Johnson. A lot of those types are like 220, 230, the Mike Evans rebounders. That's not really what Drake London is. He's very elusive. He can create separation. He spent time on the USC basketball team, and that really shows on the football field, and he led all of college football in contested catches. So to me, he's kind of the most well-rounded wide receiver in this draft class that he can – he's not going to get open like the Ohio State guys or like Jahan Dotson from Penn State, uh, but at his size, the good enough route running ability, wins over the top of the defense, and he's really good after the catch because he's not stiff. He's not J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. He can create after the catch, and there's good power to his game. And I think if they get Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, they're going to say, hey, we went all in on the defense two drafts ago, selecting every player on that side of the ball. Let's get this new quarterback a weapon because we need to start winning right now. The one thing I would say about the quarterback with the draft is that in 2016, I think I don't think Josh said this. Do you know, do you know what I'm about to say? I think so. Kenny Pickett and yeah, yeah, uh, Kenny Matt Pickett Rule. committed to Temple. Yeah. yeah. Uh yep. when Matt Rule is the coach, which is interesting at least. Very. And the thing is, if you if you trade three first round picks for Deshaun Watson or two first round picks for Deshaun Watson, one, you're you're diluting your you know, your your player pool because you're not getting yep. the draft picks and the young, you know, the valuable capital that is, you know, there's there's theoretically good players on on you know on the cheap contracts. Uh two if you tra- if you trade for Deshaun Watson and you win seven games, you're getting fired. If yeah. you draft Kenny Pickett and say let's yeah, let's get we're, we're no, it's very obvious like you draft Kenny Pickett and then you don't start it. You start Sam Darnold week one. You're basically the Bears with like uh, with um, how they did it with Andy Dalton and, and Justin Fields. You're you're like oh, we we want to give Kenny time to to learn the offense and to really develop as a pro. You start Sam Darnold for two weeks. He, you know, maybe he's okay for one game, and then he stinks, and and then you're like, it, it, it's it's obvious you're just going to start Kenny Pickett by week five, um, but by going that route, I mean, look at how long Matt Nagy and uh, and Ryan Pace look at the time they bought themselves. Yeah, it buys you time as a coach. Yeah, exactly. And so if I, I so I think that that would make them a little more likely to draft somebody here at six if he can sell him on Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. Um, I would be a little more. I would be a little. As far as like what if I were a Panthers fan, I like I don't think I'm a Panthers fan anymore. (laughs) But um, if I I I think I I think a lot of Panthers fans just kind of want a a, another hard reset. I I think they I am extremely concerned that David Tepper is a problem, Hmm. and that he is you know look these these guys come from the Steelers and they think that by virtue of being with Pittsburgh it makes you Jimmy Haslam. Jimmy Haslam, exactly. Jimmy Haslam. Yeah. But these guys, these guys don't know how to operate like the Steelers. They can't keep their hands off the 
the merch. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's involved in everything. And, and that's, that's not where you need to be as an owner. At any rate. Um, so my guess would be that they take a, a, um, a quarterback at six just to try and buy themselves some more time. If they don't go that veteran route, which is entirely likely that they, they do. If they do go the veteran route, I think they have to take an offensive lineman here. The Ooh. drumbeat is so loud about the Panthers and their offensive line problems. And now in, in your situation, they have, you have Neil, um, Icky, and Cross off the board. Who's the next best? It, oh, see, they might be in a bad spot, huh? You can't take Linderbaum at, at six, right? Probably not, no. The next best offensive tackle probably will be Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa or Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan. I figured the small school guys going that early, which they've certainly gone in the past. Eric Fisher was the first overall pick from Central Michigan. But it doesn't seem like those two will be top 10 picks. They could go in the first round. But number six, maybe the Panthers say, hey, we really just need an offensive tackle, even after picking Brady Christensen last year in the third round. Um, Maybe that could be the case. But it really feels like it's a three-man race at offensive tackle inside the top 10. Then there'll be a gap. Then later in the first round, the other tackles will go. So uh, I, I think this is where I would be with the with, if, if I'm with the Panthers, and I don't have as good a um, a good a, a read on the Panthers as I did when they had Marty Harney and um, Ron Rivera. I mean, like I feel like I nailed their draft picks like six years in a row, like like to the <laughs> player to the like the spot. I just you could, I just had a good read on those guys. Um, I think that they will probably go offensive. Like boy, they have to get a quarterback at some point in this process. Like whether free, I mean, they like they just have to, like you just know they're going to, right? I mean, they're going to either trade for somebody or draft somebody. So if they don't trade for like Garoppolo or I mean, they're calling the Vikings about Kirk Cousins, apparently. Like, well, like what are yeah. we doing? Like, what, do that? <laughs> it's just forty-five million dollar cap hit. What are you doing? Um, if they don't, if they haven't, if they haven't traded for a quarterback by the time the draft runs around, I think they will go quarterback here. Okay. But. If not, but I also think that they will consider going offensive line. The, the problem is Matt Rule is just on the hot seat. And yeah. it's it's obvious that if he doesn't win more games this year, he could potentially get fired or potentially bounce for back to college. You're not winning more games with the roster the way it is in Sam Darnold. Even if you draft him a tackle, a left tackle at, at six, that doesn't guarantee you anything. Like Icky and... Icky Neal, Cross, any one of those guys could take time to develop as a left tackle in the NFL. So uh, they just they have to get a they, they're they're going to get a quarterback at some point in the process. If they haven't gotten one by the draft, then they're just going to take somebody at six because mm-hmm. if you don't, you you don't buy yourself that time. So that's sort of where I'm at on the Panthers. Man, they're- yeah. One quick point on that: I think Matt Rule has shown maybe more than any other head coach recently that like he loves his guys. Like how many former Absolutely. Temple players. PJ Walker and Hassan Reddick, Robbie Anderson. Uh, he, Robbie Anderson. He's, I mean, so Kenny Pickett didn't ultimately play at Temple, but he was committed to Matt Rule and Temple. I don't know how, you know, how that split happened. What, like, maybe when he when he left to go to Baylor, is that when Kenny Pickett decommitted? I don't really know the timeline, but that is definitely something to kind of go against my selection here of Drake London and why Kenny Pickett makes sense. There's always the college connections, but this is obviously a unique case because this guy literally was in college like five five or six years ago, and there is already a relationship between he and Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I, I uh, it says uh, this says the commitment fell fell through as the three star recruit would change course to Pittsburgh two months later. 
So um, I don't know. I don't remember. I, I have to look it up. I don't know why he why he bailed. But he loves those Temple guys. So I could see him being like, hey, I, I love this guy. He was about to be my quarterback. And now I have a second opportunity to pick him. I'm going to do it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I You're 100% correct. I mean, they like. I mean, they, they go out and get he goes out and gets his temple guys. And then yep. wasn't there um oh he, he almost took the Jets job and they, they were trying to force his coaching staff and then they trade for Sam Darnold, who is like, you know, who's gonna be his guy too. Like he met with he is not afraid to go get guys that he knows and, and guys that he thinks can build the culture. So yeah, I mean, I mm-hmm. think I think this it would not be surprising at all if they just draft he's like, look, tells Tepper, look, this guy. He's a guy, this Kenny Pickett. He's a blue collar, uh, you know, nor like Jersey kid who, you know, was a Pete Traeger's gonna love him. Pete Traeger's gonna love him. Schrager will love, uh, yeah. He loves all the Jersey guys for sure, which I'm sure Kenny Pickett had a really good high school career in Jersey. Uh, let's, let's real quickly Google David Tepper. Oh, do you know where David Tepper was born? Traps. Mm-mm. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. They're just drafting Kenny Pickett. Maybe. Yeah, I know. It's it's seeming more likely the further we talk about this. Yeah. And again, like if they go get a quarterback, a veteran quarterback, it's possible that that is possible. They could get a vet. You can't have Darnold, another veteran and Kenny Pickett. That would be insane, right? Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Man, they're just drafting Kenny Pickett, aren't they? Um, There's too many connections. It's like too obvious. And they have to get a quarterback. Tepper, Tepper will talk himself into anything, I, I believe, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Let me see. Oh, really quickly. Let's see what the odds are. All right. So first quarterback taken. We'll bring up these odds. I just happen to have these on my local here. First drafted quarterback, Matt Corral, 10 to 1. Malik Willis, plus 150. Kenny Pickett is actually the favorite at plus 120. Sam Howell is 6 to 1, which seems insane. Desmond Ritter, 40 to 1. And Carson Strong, 80 to 1. Wow, that, that Carson Strong ship sailed quickly, huh? Um, who who would you, if you were wagering, who would you wager on amongst that group? Well, I think after what we just talked about, probably yeah. Kenny Pickett. And right. that might be the reason why he's the odds-on favorite right now, just because of that prospect and team pairing. I think if you're just looking at the uh, draft as a whole, like I do, I think in a, a normal situation when there wouldn't be th- like that many connections between a quarterback and the yeah. coach and the owners from Pittsburgh, I would say Malik Willis just because I think most teams are aiming for upside now at the quarterback spot yeah. now that we're in this Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen era. Um, but maybe that's why Pickett is the odds-on guy because of the rule and David Tepper connections. I, so I, you have uh, Malik Willis going to the commanders at 11. Yeah. I think it's pretty popular choice to have Washington take a a quarterback for good reason. Um, they could still trade for, you know, Jimmy G or, you know, whatever veteran, but it absolutely makes sense for them to draft a quarterback there. You know, it's hard to know how Ron Rivera and I think Ron Rivera and Marty Herney's there too, right? I mean, like it's hard to know exactly how they they will handle the quarterback position in the draft because the only time we ever saw them, uh, well, the only time we ever saw Ron Rivera, at least when he was involved, was the Cam Newton first overall, right? We saw yeah. Marty Hurley take a swing at Jimmy Clausen in the second round the year before. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, I, Malik Willis, I mean, could make a lot of sense there. I bet Malik Willis and and, and Matt Corral as as a, uh, on all based on those two values. Um, but certainly, Pickett at, at six kind of makes sense now. What do you think? How is the fit with Malik Willis in Washington? Can he play year one? Do they need to get a veteran? Um, how, like, how does that play out if Washington does draft him? Yeah, I think he'd be a, a good fit. And, and for a lot of what you just mentioned, the Marty Herney, the Ron Rivera 
uh, familiarity with Cam Newton in that Malik Willis, of course, is not as big as Cam Newton. He's like five inches shorter, but stylistically, he's pretty close. Like in terms of the design run game, the athleticism, the accuracy, I think he's a lot better than most people do, but he's not going to come in and be this precision pocket passer, reading coverages uh, faster than any quarterback. That's kind of the book on Cam Newton when he was coming out of Auburn, that you're getting a supreme athlete with a big arm that can really run. And that's why I think more so than any other selection, I've sent Malik Willis to the commanders because of just all of the, again, connections at the coaching staff, the general manager, people working in that front office. And with Taylor Heineke there, or if there is a veteran, I don't think it would be the worst idea for them to have some insulation, some insurance at the position. But we always think that because Patrick Mahomes got that redshirt season that you right. absolutely can't start one of these guys anymore. We have been fast-tracking toward getting these guys on the field right away. Josh Allen uh, started late in the first game of the season, his rookie year, when the Bills were getting blown out by the Ravens. And, he, yeah, his first five or six games looked pretty bad. Deshaun Watson's uh, first game in the NFL, I believe, was like a Thursday night football game against the they started, Bengals. They started Tom Savage ahead of Deshaun Watson, and then they were getting they were losing. They were like, ah, screw it. We got to play Deshaun. And, and for that what second half of that game Deshaun Watson like looked like he didn't know what he was doing and he had to run the football a lot and then before he got injured in his rookie season uh started to really take off so I think yes Malik Willis can come in would the the playbook be a little bit smaller will it would it be more RPO based not asking him to look right then look middle then look left yeah but I think you can get by if you have the athleticism early on that if you don't like what you see you can be like Deshaun Watson or Josh Allen or Cam Newton or Jalen Hurts to a certain degree where give him a lot of easy throws and say, hey, look, if you don't like what you see, just take off and run until the game starts to slow down for you. Yeah. And, you know, like we've seen Washington, um, you know, Scott Turner at, at OC there, they're not afraid to, you know, use heavily like a Taylor Heineke or a Kyle Allen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if they felt like they need to sit him, but I, I think you're right. This, the, the Mahomes thing is the exception, not the rule. Yeah. You know, that's you just don't like it. Had, you know, Philip Rivers did it, Carson Palmer did it. I mean, but it's it really, you know, you have to go. Aaron Rodgers did it, but you have to sort of go back to where there was a entrenched starter, you know, where you know, like a Drew Brees or I can't believe I'm saying this, but a John Kitna, Brett Favre. You know, I mean? like like you know, you have to Alex Smith. I mean, you know, you, those guys aren't all the same player, obviously, but they're an entrenched starter that the, that the coach trusted as a veteran. Who, and they didn't lose their job, you know, like that's the only way to to really pull it off if you want to set that guy. So probably less likely than he sits. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau fell to seven in your draft. Would you do that? Would you would you have him fall to seven if you were sitting next to Kayvon Thibodeau and Ray Lewis? No, because I saw that video of uh, of of Hassel calling out Ryan and saying like, like what? Yeah, right next to Kayvon Thibodeau, like, hey, why he didn't have you going number one, and, like, that would be tough. I don't think I would have him falling that far. He's a pretty – I mean, I haven't seen him in person. I know you guys did it at the Super Bowl. Got to be pretty intimidating of a guy, uh, like 6'5", 260. Um, I, I will say this as a draft analyst. I think he has number one overall pick, all pro upside. That's kind of been the low-hanging fruit with him. I think he's a little bit raw in that – he relied on his athleticism uh, and could do that in the Pac-12 and was very productive doing so. Once he gets to the NFL, he's going to have to use his hands a little bit better. That's really the delineation between Kayvon Thibodeau 
and Aiden Hutchinson. And then there's all like the stuff that I don't really get into, like the off the field. Does he care about his money? Does he care about his brand more than he should? Um, I think that's a little silly, but I think there's a lot of older general managers and people that are uh, not used to this NIL era that we're in where they're going to be kind of turned off by a top prospect talking about, oh, I I picked Oregon because of the brand and all the Nike stuff uh, <laughs> and, and is more in tune with that. I, I don't think that's justified and that's fair for Kayvon Thibodeau, but I could see it being a reason, not that he plummets like into the teens, but that he doesn't go like number two or number three overall and the Giants pick him at number seven. Interesting. Um, okay. I, I I don't think that's crazy. The Giants are, you know, the the. I mean, like again, this draft is, you know, it's probably not even going to be about the prospects themselves so much as what teams need. You know, mm-hmm. like if if Kayvon Thibodeau falls to seven, it's not because Kayvon Thibodeau is not a great player. It's because, you know, the Giants have two. Like you know, the, by the way, the Giants could take him at five, but if five they, or seven, yeah, right. But if the Panthers are at six. You have to think that the pain, like if you don't, if you, if Charles Cross and Kayvon Thibodeau are on the board for you at, at five and Icky and Neil are gone, obviously, and the Panthers are at six, you take the offensive lineman. Like, like if you want, if you want an offensive <laughs> lineman, don't let him go, don't give the Panthers a chance to take him because they probably will take him at six. And of course, that depends on what they do at the quarterback position this offseason. Um, yeah, like I, I don't think him slipping to seven is outrageous. It's not, it's not like, Oh, this is because Kevin Thibodeau is not a top five player. It's because Kyle Hamilton's in there in the mix. You have three offensive linemen in a, in a, in, for offensive line needy teams all over the board in that top six. I mean, and then you have Aiden Hutchinson. It's, it's just a, you know, it's just sort of how the, how the draft can fall. Um, what uh, the other two, let's get you out here on this. The two quarterback matchups or matches that you had going, uh, other than Matt, Car- other than excuse me, uh, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett at number eighteen to the Saints, and Matt Corral at number twenty to the Steelers. Um, how do you see are those guys day one? I mean, probably day one starters there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Saints are kind of hard to figure out because, like, are they rebuilding or not? Like, they have all I mean, the cap issues. Like, is, yeah. Sean, is Sean Payton on some secret one-year suspension? Or is he just taking <laughs> a year out to recharge his batteries? He's going to come back? Or is he is he going to coach the Cowboys or the Dolphins? Like, it's very confusing. They're very hard to figure out because they've, like, it seems like every offseason they're in cap hell, but they easily get out of it and they sign guys. And it's like the, the accounting gymnastics that are done in that organization are actually quite amazing. But you look at the roster, like, there's some older pieces, uh, the receiver core, even if Michael Thomas comes back, or I guess when he comes back because they just restructured him. Like, are they really ready to contend in the NFC? So I could see them even being fine with Kenny Pickett, not necessarily starting right away, but what else would they do at the quarterback spot? Um, and then I sent Matt Corral to the Steelers. Ryan Wilson either wants them to go offensive line or quarterback. And I think with Matt Corral, Mike Tomlin would see uh, someone that would kind of usher in the new era at the quarterback spot. Nothing against uh, Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer, but looking around to see Joe Burrow go to the Super Bowl in the AFC, Mahomes, a- a- Allen. Two traps? Was he really doing this to Mason Rudolph? Well, I've <laughs> the ship has sailed with me on Mason Rudolph. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like a little bit of me would be excited if he <laughs> starts week one, but then usually by the second quarter, I get four or five tweets from people being like, wasn't he your number one quarterback? And I'm like, yeah, he was. I can't well, you know, but you, but you know what? Look, in, in your, to your credit, I believe your number two quarterback was Lamar Jackson, which is mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that draft, that 2018 draft class, I had Rudolph at one, Colossal Whiff, Lamar Jackson at two, and no one really had that. No, that was no, no, no. If you if you had made Lamar Jackson one, you, I would, you actually would have free right now. You ultimately yeah. would have not been correct because I think Josh Allen is is the best yeah. prospect. But like two years, three years in, two years in, two years in, because he won the second year, he won MVP second year. Two years in, you look, you know, you look like a genius. Um, and then I had Sam Darnold at four and Mayfield at five, and everyone killed me for Baker Mayfield at five. Like I had him as like a early second rounder. I just thought he was kind of like a better version of Case Keenum, and everyone's like, no way, look at how accurate he is. So I got that right, but then I had Josh Allen six because I didn't think uh, the quarterback. Yeah, so I, I was all over the map. That was my rookie year at CBS. Hey, hey, look, look, a little bit of a break. That draft class, <laughs> it was tough. I was talking, I was talking, I was texting with some friends about this. It's like how you know, it, it, like Rosen, Rosen, massive bust. Baker, and everyone is, liked him too. Yeah, Baker's looking like a bust. Um, Darnold, in, you know, on a second team, enormous bust. Um, Allen, you know, has didn't look like he was going to be. I mean, he took a no. huge leap, and then Lamar, who you know, Bill Belichick took Sony Michelle ahead of. I mean, it's you know, it's it's drafting quarterbacks and ranking quarterbacks is hard. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I, I give you a pass for it. I don't care. Um, so yeah, anyway. I, I sent Corral there because Ryan has always told me they either are going to go offensive line or quarterback. And I could see Mike Tomlin being like, look, we need to move into this new era at the quarterback spot in the AFC with Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Now Matt Corral is not as talented as those three pros or as those three quarterbacks and the quarterback that was in the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow, but gives you that same type of style. He's athletic. He's un, or he's willing to make those difficult throws, has a pretty good arm. Um, and if he heals, which he's probably going to be fine by the time the season starts, I think he has like an ankle in that bowl game. Um, Matt Carell kind of has that improvisational arm talent type to be a first-round pick and to land in Pittsburgh to usher in that new era. It, it'll be interesting, too, because the Steelers have done a bunch of GM interviews. And I, I wonder – I sort of wonder when – so, like, I wonder when they're going to announce – who the Kevin Colbert successor is going to be because Kevin Colbert is going to run this draft, which is, you know, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, but it, like if I'm an outside hire, I, I don't know how I feel about taking a job with TBD draft class coming. Like, it, like if, if I'm, let's say I'm a, a pro personnel guy for the uh, Seahawks or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And I'm thinking about taking this job with Pittsburgh. And they're like, well, Kevin Colbert's going to do this last draft. You're like, well, okay, I mean that's cool, but like, is he going to take a quarterback? Because if he takes a quarterback, then I'm I'm in charge of that. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of a weird dynamic. Now, if you hire like if you, if Omar Khan gets a job and then you know internal candidate, and then it's a whole then it's a whole different ballgame because it's just like Baltimore did with Lamar, where if you draft that quarterback, it's it was Ozzie Newsom's guy. If Lamar doesn't work out. Eric DaCosta is not on the hook for it because, uh, you know, I mean, even though he was involved in the draft process, obviously um, he, you know, there's just sort of some wiggle room there. I don't, that's just, I, I'm just curious how that's going to play out with the, if it's an external candidate and I mean, short, sh- like is, is he not going to be involved in free, you know, is he going to be involved in free agency? Like when, it, cause this is, I mean, is this guy going to scout guys at the combine for the steel? Like, this is, this is weird timing. Yeah, it's a really weird dynamic, but I have actually interesting perspective on this because oh. in 2017, the Bills, their former GM, Doug Whaley, right. and Sean McDermott ran that draft. And what's kind of baffling, and it's super fortunate for the Bills, it's come out that Sean McDermott said, oh, I was in the process late. That's when the Bills broke the playoff drought. They 
made it to the first round of the playoffs. Sean McDermott came out like last year and said, you know what, that 2017 draft class, I was kind of behind on the quarterback. So we were kind of like, eh, let's just wait until next year. And they obviously passed on Patrick Mahomes. They were the team that the Chiefs traded up for to pick Mahomes. Then Brandon Bean gets hired in May, and then they do all their due diligence knowing that the 2018 draft class was uh, stacked. And apparently next year will be better. That kind of seems to be always the case at the quarterback spot. But with Bryce Young from Alabama, there's a few others um, that maybe that's the route. They say, let's make the team a lot better. Let's start Mason Rudolph. Um, I can't picture the Steelers not being contenders, and I don't think the organization would, would be cool with that. But that's what happened in Buffalo. It ultimately worked out for them. They built up the rest of the roster the year before a new GM took over, and then he was the one that got to pick the quarterback the next year. Interesting. Yeah, it was weird. That is weird. Um, and it, it felt like... So when that 2017, so McDermott was hired in 2017, it mm-hmm. did feel like when he was hired to me that Brandon Bean was going to come eventually, but it was like Doug Whaley had such a foothold in the sort of with ownership and the Pagulas that they, they trusted him. Like he had like McDermott sort of had to like get in there and be like, all right, look, this guy's got to go. I got my, I want to bring, you know, like I want to bring my guy up here. Uh, and so maybe that had to do with it too. Like they didn't want, I mean, Doug Whaley, you know, maybe Doug Whaley was like, wanted to draft. You don't want to draft a quarterback in 2017 because if that, then that GM is tied to that quarterback. It's a lot harder, you know, same sort of principle we were talking about with the the Panthers too. Um, All right. This is interesting. Good stuff. Uh, And I got much like Lenny, much to think about, you know, the little, the Lenny Simpsons gif. (laughs) And I got to ponder what the, uh, what the, what the Steelers, We'll do with the, the Steelers and Panthers. Very interesting situations. For sure. Covered them well. Excellent mock draft content. You'll be in Indy, right? No, I'm not. I'm You're not in Indy. What? I'm here. I'm sitting in my room. That's what I said. I'm, I'm bummed because we got the news that we they weren't sending as many people, and it's like my favorite week of the year. Yeah, I know. It's the last combat in Indy, and I'm not there. Not, not thrilled about it, but you know, what are you going to do? Uh, well, you have a child to go attend to. I do. I apparently do. Uh, go, uh, go, go be a dad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.